Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Ladies and gentlemen of the internet, Roto World Josh Norris here with another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast, joined by John Daigle. John, it is the middle of fall. Yep. This is like the three weeks we get a fall up here in the Northeast. You've lived in what? Texas? I've lived in, in every time zone. Yes. T- uh, Texas, Colorado, and California in the country. So yes. Colorado has gotten you prepared for the winter you will have up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Denver, it's an untapped secret, and they're going to be mad I spill it right now, but Denver stays 60 to 70 year round really and get snow probably once a year downtown that's it yeah they're gonna be mad i said that here it's a lot different here i mean coming from north carolina i the first time so the first place i lived here it had a deck below for parking and so the first time back then in this sedan that i had trying to go uphill Mm -hmm. in the snow and in the ice car turned sideways slid down crash into the side um so yes in fact, the first couple of years I was up here, I used the term of, oh, I'm from the South, you don't be driving in the snow I was a handful that, of times actually. to stay home from work. Yeah, I'm terrified of driving in the so snow. So now that we're broadcasting this to the entire NBC office, mm-hmm. you probably can't use that anymore. No, I, but I am scared to drive through the snow, literally. Uh, when that time comes, you right. should fear being around me. Well, we know Ian's just going to walk. Yeah, Ian <laughs> just walks everywhere. We need to get him some like snowshoes so he can just walk here. Have you ever snowboarded? Yeah, when I was young. Okay, I did it one time. That's story for an off-season podcast, but let's just say I'm never doing it again. Ever. Literally ever. Um, okay, today's podcast, as you all know, let's get into it. Nine game previews. There'll be three of us, or three with just me and John Dago, I should say. Three then with Roto Pat, Patrick Doherty, and then three with Hayden Wings. As you know, Pat writes the rankings, and then Hayden writes the fantasy forecast column. All great columns up on Roto World. They're not enough, some might say. Uh, We have enough columns. (laughs) Calm down. So let's start off with the first game on Sunday, and that is the Carolina Panthers against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Not really home or away here uh, because it's in London, 9.30 Eastern in the morning. Lots of fun in this game. Um, We know that Tampa, they just played a couple weeks ago. Tampa beat them at Carolina Mm -hmm. on a Thursday night performance. That was the last one we've seen of Cam Newton. What have you thought of the Bucks since then? What do you think of the Panthers since then? The Bucks' offense was rolling until they reached that Saints game. And as you saw, the final score didn't tell the whole story. Like, the Saints outplayed the Bucks the entire way. It took garbage time for the Bucks to make that game look respectful. Um, and they just have become a true pass funnel. Their true colors have shown the past four weeks. They're getting hemorrhaged in the secondary, and now they're in a terrible spot, missing two offensive linemen, Alex Kappa and DeMar Dotson, against a Panthers defense that has been really good despite the fact that K-1 Short's been out. They've, they've held their own. 
You know, this Panthers team, I think the Kyle Allen performance has made people think that, one, he's been better than Cam Newton, mm -hmm. and two, that he could even be a starter in this league. Since that Cardinals performance where he threw four touchdowns, it's not something that I would want to hang my hat on because he, against the offensive line, uh, runs into pressure. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to just work inside of the structure. He has no presence in the pocket. And I know some people, when we talked about it in the previous podcast with Nick and Ian, that this could be a Curtis Samuel blowout spot just from the opponent he might face and also the air yards he's created so far this year. I don't think that that can be the case because to me, Kyle Allen can only support one wide receiver or one passing game threat because you know Christian McCaffrey is half the offense. Mm -hmm. And so far that's been DJ Moore. He's just not looking downfield. This has been the Norv Turner script that he's written and it's been beautiful so far and it's led them to three wins. Who do you think is the one person? Because I had my pick this week, but who do you think is the one receiver outside of McCaffrey DJ Moore. that he supports? I think it's Greg Olson. Interesting. I, I realized Zero that, catch Greg Olson last week? Uh, two catches the past two weeks. If you want to extend it, thank you very much, Josh. But we make fun of the Cardinals for being an absolute blowhard to tight ends. They can't cover tight end whatsoever unless they play Tyler Eifer, who runs a season-low amount of routes. But now he get, we get Greg Olson, who has actually had his snap percentage upped the past two weeks. Mm -hmm. His on-field usage has actually increased despite getting only two catches the past two weeks. And uh, the Bucks have allowed only 15 fewer yards than that Cardinals defense that has allowed that many two tight ends. 15 fewer yards to tight ends, I should say. As a former Panthers fan, mm -hmm. I will say I think this is the last start we see for, for Kyle Allen. Yes. Because after this is a bye, and then Cam Newton likely returns, so I let, think. Let's talk about this. Because I want to know, I'm curious, I got this question a lot as well. Yeah. Do you pick him up? Because not only is he Who coming can? back. Yeah. Yeah. In 12-team leagues. But he, he comes back, but he comes back against the Niners as well. Hmm. It's like a it, trap spot. No, it is. It's a difficult spot. Uh, he runs into buzz saws defensively when yes. he comes back. Um, I don't know if you pick him up, to be perfectly honest. That's what and I'm, we, I don't know. We, we talk about this all the time, that starting people off long-term injuries is not a winning proposition, no, no matter how talented they are, because they really do have to prove it at first. Mm -hmm. The last time, though, these two teams faced off, I think the game, and I know Kim Newton missed throws, but Darrell Williams was just as awful at left tackle. Now he slid into guard. They're putting Greg Little, who's in the concussion protocol, and Dennis Daly at left tackle. Um, the Bucks' edge rushers and defensive line really got after the Panthers in that first game. And that'll have to be where this game is really won. And Christian McCaffrey, we know, had his lowest performance. Mm -hmm. I'm going to flip this on you, though. Because last time these two teams played, James Bradbury shut down Mike Evans. Dante Jackson had his spots, had his moments, but really was now. overwhelmed by Chris Godwin. Yes, he makes his return this week. Mm -hmm. Is that going to be much of the same? We've seen Ronald Jones emerge a little bit, but people who have been starting Mike Evans outside of that Giants game have kind of been let down. Yeah, I think you go back to Mike Evans with confidence. We know Chris Godwin's going to get his. It's no longer a case of Chris Godwin's floor. He's going to hit it every single week. Right. Um, but I do start Mike Evans with confidence. I just I think it's a, going to be negative game script the whole way for the Bucks. I really think they're outmatched in this game. Hmm. And the fact they are a pass funnel, it should have been a telling sign the last time they played the Panthers because they allowed 330 yards to an injured Cam Newton. Next up. By the way, Panthers. MVP and rookie defensive player of the year? Both? I mean, Christian McCaffrey's not going to win an MVP. Okay, that's fine. Running backs don't win that award.
All right, Houston Texans at the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are five and a half point home favorites here with a 55 total, the biggest of the weekend. Uh, the Chiefs are four and one. The Houston Texans are three and two. Daigle, to me, this has potential to be the Chiefs-Rams matchup from 2018 and 2019 because both of these defenses have really, really struggled. Both offenses are absolutely hitting their form. And I don't really want to focus on the Chiefs offense to fir at first. I want to focus on, on the Houston Texans and namely Deshaun Watson because this kind of tells you and shows you week to week how small sample sizes can be because he had two or three throws that he missed by a stride against the Carolina Panthers, mm -hmm. which would have won the Texans that game. Then he hit them last week against the Atlanta Falcons. And he has to hit them this week, obviously, against the Chiefs. He had missed those throws all year, not just against the Falcons. And Will Fuller's presence now, the fact he finally did something, was tremendous news. Best case scenario, arguably, for DeAndre Hopkins, because now everyone is actually worried about another threat, whereas they were not in the past. DeAndre Hopkins was still getting his. Will Fuller had nearly 150 more air yards than DeAndre Hopkins last week, and yet now still only leads that team by under 20, because that's how much DeAndre Hopkins was getting used down the field. It just wasn't happening. It's funny to say seven for 88 is a letdown, hmm. but, uh, but it was a letdown for Hopkins. But I think he comes back in this game quite strong against a Chiefs defense that not only is Frank Clark struggling, they're not even going to have Chris Jones and Xavier Williams up Which the middle. so gonna, massive. I know. They're going to play backups. And, yes, Texans still rank bottom two in pressure rate allowed, but maybe it doesn't even matter since the Chiefs just can't rush Deshaun Watson. Yeah, you look at what the Chiefs were last year, and you would hope that they improved defensively this year, right, with the additions right. of Frank Clark, with the additions of Tyron Matthew, because this Chiefs' mindset for a year was, hey, try to keep up with an offense, and our defense is going to make one or two plays in crucial situations to turn the football over or get a four, uh, fourth down stand, and they haven't been able to do that this year because of the injuries to Chris Jones. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Chris Jones letdown is, is major when he's off the field. Um, you know, you hear blueprint this, blueprint that with the Chiefs losing last weekend to the Indianapolis Colts. The previous week, they almost lost to what, the Detroit Lions as well, which we'll talk about later. Um, I, I don't know if it's a real blueprint. I just think it can be difficult for a team to deal with injuries. They've dealt with the offensive line injuries. Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill being out for that Colts matchup. Fisher's out again this week, I believe, at left tackle. But maybe the Texans, I know that Tyreek may play. I know Sammy Watkins has been limited or held out of practice. Maybe the Texans are getting this Chiefs team at the right moment. I know the Colts say they want to, quote-unquote, run the damn ball. I don't believe them. Like, when it still comes to game script neutral situations, they are still a passing team because they know it's the most efficient. The difference is the spectrum, like Frank Reich, light years ahead of Bill O'Brien. And it, the Colts deserve just so much applause because they actually changed their game plan mid-game. Mm -hmm. Like, they were playing zone defense. They got beat. They are like, no, like we know we have to just play man the rest of the game. And it stunned it. It stopped the, the Chiefs' offense. Bill O'Brien is not going to do that. Bill O'Brien is going in one game plan, and he won't change it even if it isn't working because that's the kind of coach he is. Uh, I, I am, like you said, the injuries do make me concerned for the Chiefs' offense, and there are just so many pieces. For fantasy, it's literally aggravating for everyone involved. Like You can own all of them, and yet you don't know which one's going to hit. But the fact is well, someone's going to hit every single week. Uh, I think you should be happy about Damian Williams' usage from last week, 100% of the team carries in really weird game script. It was only nine, right? They only ran the ball nine times, but they didn't give LaShawn McCoy a carry. Darrell Williams played 14 snaps, uh, but they were completely empty. But as Ian talked about in yesterday's podcast, 
LaShawn McCoy has been more efficient with his touches. Like, Damian yeah. Williams has been the opposite of Absolutely. His. He has not been efficient at all, but the fact he came back healthy after a three, four-week absence and still handled, still got 35 snaps over McCoy's 24, yeah. um, I think it's encouragement. We should be optimistic that Tyreek Hill plays in this game, right? Yes. And then if he and plays. And that could be the game changer. And if he plays, he's a top seven receiver. Right, because good luck not matching up man-to-man against this yeah. Texans defense. It's what they've been missing. They need someone to pop the lid off man coverage. For sure. Final game for just you and I, Daigle, the two of us. The Dallas Cowboys at the New York Jets. Uh, the Cowboys are eight-point road favorites with a total of just under 44 points in this one. Uh, this is a totally different Jets team that started the season 0-5. Meanwhile, the Cowboys are 3-2. and uh, Because Sam Darnold returns after that week one disaster, mm-hmm. um, when he <clears throat> likely did have mono as The last time we saw him. And did not play well. I guess I'll start this way. Because people playing fantasy football have been hanging on to Jamison Crowder. They've been hanging on to Robbie Anderson. They've been hanging out to Chris Herndon, which still hang on to him, I guess. Oh, um, but hurts. now with Sam Darnold in the fold, this is a legitimate offense, is it not? So are you open to playing any of those names despite not playing them for the last four weeks? It's tough because it's ambiguity, right? Like, we don't have any idea what's going to happen with this offense. There are no stats backing this up. The reason I worry about this game for the Cowboys as a whole, though, is because it's that sandwich spot. They just got off a big loss they were focused on against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They know they have the Eagles next week, a huge division game that Sean Jackson will likely be back for. And now they're just sandwiched in the middle against the lowly Jets. Uh, Anytime this happens, like I said, I have no stats to back this up, but it's like terrible. And professional bettors even know you jump on this spot on the worst team because the uh, good team is actually focused ahead. Hmm. Um, Are you treating it like a multi-week injury, though, with Crowder and Robbie Anderson, despite them not being the ones that were – quote-unquote, injured? I think you play them, but you still knock them down a peg. Okay. Your wide receiver three, for instance, whereas Robbie Anderson would typically be low-end wide receiver two. Got it. Um, Herndon's unfortunate. The big news, though. And he might not be back till week eight. Yeah, he's week, he week to week. Hamstring, soft Awful tissue injury. <laughs> I know. Everyone grabbed him, too. Um, Le'Veon Bell, though. That's who this helps the most. Yeah, this, I'm trying to trade for him. This is a dude who has handled 60% of the team's overall touches. He's accounted for 60% of their yards through five weeks. Like, and he finally gets an actual quarterback under center now. Yeah. Like, that's the guy you want to trade for before this week because the buy low window closes after yeah, this It week. could really explode after this. I know some people are panicking about this Cowboys offense because they somewhat started slow against the Packers. The mm-hmm. Packers just were red hot immediately and scored basically in every single possession, it seemed like. I- I'm not panicking on the Cowboys at all. I know they're 3-2, and two, um, but with how Michael Gallup returned to the lineup last week and just looked outstanding immediately, I think this is back into exactly what we want this Cowboys offense to look like against a Jets defense that surprisingly has continued to play with aggression has continued to play, not, I'm not going to say at a high level, but they've still been com- competitive, mm-hmm. despite what their offense and Luke Falk has put on paper and on the field on offense. Yeah, they still were just in, a, their average third down was six and a half yards, I believe, to go. It's like their offense was still extremely efficient. Right. Um, it's just the fact that they knew they had to go full throttle and match Aaron Rodgers, because Aaron Rodgers, they might as well just make it like Aaron Rodgers Stadium as opposed to AT&T Stadium. He just owns them every time he comes to town. Um, so they tried to go, they tried to match them point for point, and it ultimately came down to turnovers that cost them the win. You aren't worried about this offense. It is good news, in fact. I, I'm still concerned for his passing game usage, but it is great news that Zeke hit a season high in routes run last week. Uh, yes, they need to actually target him more down the, down in the shallows mm-hmm. as opposed to leaning on Jason Witten and Randall Cobb. Are you about to sing some Lady Gaga? 
in the shallows? No. No. I've been. I've seen Lady Gaga live twice, but I don't think I know In the Shadows. Is that a song? In the Shallow. Oh, In the Shallow. Which was from like their Oscar-winning performance. Oh no, I haven't seen that movie yet. I'm Neither sorry. Did I. Okay. I had it well, I'm the musical guy of the crew, though, so I should. See Star it. is Born. Star is Born. That's it. Uh, remake, right? Thanks, Chris, in the control room. Well, Appreciate a star is a star is born in Michael Gallup because can you imagine? He's still just a second-year pro. He's great. He does not look. He's playing way over what he should be playing. It's incredible. C.J. Mosey's still out after the bye week, which is very concerning for the Jets. I will also point you to PFTPM. Mike Florio had an interview with Dak Prescott this week. They talked extensively, I believe, about Kellen Moore and just the genius of Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore will have to do, maybe take it up a notch. Let's put it that way. Twitter saw a few quote-unquote genius comments. They're They're putting apostrophes now genius, which is not a good sign. But it's okay. He's still a genius. Now it's time to bring on Roto Emilia's father, the great Patrick Doherty, who writes the rankings up on Roto World. Pat, let's start off with this preview. The Seattle Seahawks at the Cleveland Browns. Seahawks are one-point favorites on the road with a 47.5 total. Pat, there has been a little bit of concern with the Browns' offense possibly being broken. I mean, they are 29th in offensive DVOA. Maybe a few words have been written and said about this. What's your view on that offense right now? Uh, I haven't seen any reason to be concerned. Uh, I think it's totally normal to be completing eight passes uh, in a game uh, in the 2019 NFL. So, yeah, I'm not uh, – horrible joke aside uh, – you know, what the craziest, maybe the most concerning part about the Browns offense is that, to me, Monday night, that wasn't even the worst Baker Mayfield has looked all season. Uh, he was still against the Rams, where I feel like he looked the worst. Uh, I actually thought maybe he wasn't, like, seeing ghosts as much as usual Monday night, but that the pressure was just that real. Uh you know, I think a lot of times bad offensive line play uh, is a product of the quarterback. You know, quarterbacks will always make bad offensive lines look even worse. But I'm just not – I'm not. Monday night, my takeaway was I'm not really sure what Baker Mayfield is even supposed to be doing. Um, they just weren't blocking a soul. And uh, so that's not reason to not be – I'm deeply concerned. And I see the Seahawks' pass rush is nowhere near the level of the 49ers's, but uh, – it's hard to see reasons for genuine optimism this week. For the first time, I have Mayfield basically faded out of even two-quarterback league relevance. So someone else who no one has talked about this week is Odell Beckham. And uh, he has been out-targeted by Jarvis Landry 16-13 to 13 the past two weeks. Still leads the team in air yards. Is there any optimism for people wanting to go back and play him this week? It's a tough question because that's another thing when I was watching Monday Night. It seemed like... They were actually trying to manufacture touches for Odell Beckham, uh, using him in the running game, using him in the screen game, uh, you know, having him attempt to pass. And at the end of the night, he still had only four touches. It seemed like clearly there was an emphasis in the game plan on getting Odell Beckham involved and they still couldn't do it. And, uh, so he's another guy where I had kept him in the top 12, probably the top 10 all season until this week where now I've got him faded to the mid range wide receiver too. you know, Odell Beckham's kind of like, the like the quintessential he only needs one play to really make his fantasy day but i just the odds he gets those one that one play are just much lower than they should be right now and yet he's somewhat not benching odell beckham but he's no longer you can't say he's an every week wide receiver one right now with the way this offense has looked yeah pat i think you opened with a great point that seattle's defense despite what history might tell us is nowhere near what the 49ers defense is putting out on the field like seattle's defense is kind of just there like I think they do their job well enough and mm-hmm. 
Maybe they do their best work uh, in their own 20-yard line close to the goal, but they'll give up yards. They'll mm -hmm. give up points. Um, but, Pat, we've talked about how maybe dysfunctional this, uh, this Browns offense is. Seattle's is working, like, to exactly what they want it to, is it not? Chris Carson is running with ruthlessness. Um, we know Russell Wilson is creating just magic out of nothing. Tyler Lockett is on the receiving end of that magic. Even DK Metcalf is winning on the left side on those vertical shots, those isolated plays that they're lining him up on. Is there anything you want to say about this group? Because it's a really, really fun Seattle offense, despite you know them running the ball a ton on first down. They're still allowing Russ to do what he does on the field. Yeah, you know, remember when Russell Wilson was supposed to regress? Uh, he had the 8.2 touchdown percentage last year, and uh, by the letter of the law, he has regressed, but he, once again, is a 7.7 .7 touchdown percentage, which leads the league, and, I mean, it's Russell Wilson just emerging as the most efficient quarterback in NFL history, uh, you know, maybe. Uh, the attempts are slightly up this year. Uh, DK Metcalf's field-stretching ability, yeah, opposite Tyler Lockett is something they badly needed and are have immediately taken advantage of. Uh, I guess if there's any storylines with Seahawks offense this week, it appears maybe the Browns will get back Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, but you know they're both coming off hamstring injuries, and that's not a huge concern for Tyler Lockett in the slot. So, yeah, my main uh, my main uh, Seahawks point would be basically to give them props for kind of breaking regression models. And uh, yeah, Chris Carson, by the way, well, I think he has like 50 touches. Uh, instead of messages to court, uh, coaches, maybe you shouldn't bench your amazing quarterbacks or running backs after they fumble the ball and instead should just give them 50 touches like the Seahawks have done with Chris Carson and let him dominate. So, uh, yeah, very impressive offense, even though we know they need to pass more. And quickly, Carson's snap rate last week was actually a career high. So Yeah, and it's one of those Damn. that if he's gotten beyond this fumbling point and the obviously the Seahawks have stuck with him mm -hmm. through all that, like – Rashad Penny is a distant number two, like a, a non-factor, which some people might have told you that uh, in the offseason. All right, the next game, Pat, is the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles at the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are actually three-point home favorites here. Both teams are three and two. The total is 43-and-a-half. Pat, we know that last week Adam Thielen got points from Kirk Cousins. We know how bad this Philadelphia secondary is. Is this, at some point, Stephon Diggs actually going to produce? He hasn't really done that in one peak performance so far this season, despite having other great matchups so far. You mean the question is, does Christian Kirk, uh, even so last week, you know, we saw like the textbook squeaky wheel game with Adam Thielen. Uh, I guess the question is, does Christian Kirk, or Christian Kirk, what I call it, Kirk Cousins, Christian Kirk there? That's a, a new one. Uh, does Kirk Cousins even want this to happen for Stefan Diggs? Uh, Stefan had as many targets as BC Johnson last week uh, and an even better matchup than this Eagles matchup and the Giants. So I just, I guess there's Stefan Diggs has kind of entered one of those situations where it's hard for us to really quantify what's going on with him. Cause it's kind of, it's beyond the realm of publicly available numbers. And it's, it's this has like gotten into like locker room issues where, you know, I, we don't really know how Stefan Diggs is fitting into this offense right now. If he wants to be there, if they want him to be there, uh, if they do, it's certainly an exploitable matchup. Uh, we know we've been starting receivers against the, Eagles defense, Eagles secondary all season. I guess I wouldn't be surprised maybe the Eagles front seven harassed Kirk Cousins. Uh, but it's a great spot on paper. But it's another thing where I've got Stefan Diggs. I don't really see how you can rank him in, like, the top 20. And I've got him right there in that wide receiver 2-3 borderline just because I feel like there's information I'm not privy to there, and I just don't really know what's going on. 
We talk about how this Eagles defense will handle the Vikings offense, but really it's the Eagles offense that has just left question marks all over the place. Without Deshaun Jackson, Carson Wentz yards per attempt the past four weeks has just plummeted to 6.6 .6 as opposed to eight yards an attempt in that first game. So uh, is there anyone, particularly in this backfield, now that there's no more Darren Sproles? Corey Clement popped up in the injury report as well. Is there anyone we can look to with confidence in this Eagles offense? Uh, man, are you trying to bait me into saying Jordan Howard is a must start? Because uh, I'm not sure if I want to do that. Uh, he has outsnapped and outtouched Miles. Not, Miles Sanders, thankfully, uh, I'm going to use Josh, Josh's favorite word, hasn't been all the way canceled, but he's definitely uh, clearly behind Jordan Howard, which has been matched by coaching rhetoric. They said they were going to do that, and they have put their money where their mouth is. So I guess I like Jordan Howard as an every week flex. Uh, you know, we still like Zach Ertz as the top five. Uh, wide receiver. I still like, I still even mind Alshon Jeffrey as the, the Michael Crabtree clone. Uh, Kirk, or Kirk, Carson Wentz is completing only like 16 to 18 weekly passes, but it seems like at least one of them is usually to Alshon Jeffrey in the end zone. So uh, don't, do not have Wentz as a QB one this week though. He's, he's QB 14, 15 on the season and that feels appropriate for him and a pretty tough matchup with the Vikings. So yeah, disappointing offense after a, uh, an offseason of hype, and then week one where it seemed like they were delivering on it. Yeah, big picture here, guys. I mean, both teams are three and two. We're five games into the season for both. As Pat mentioned, we thought this Eagles team was the most talented roster in the NFL. They've dealt with a lot of injuries. Mm -hmm. This Minnesota team is doing exactly what they want to do with running the football. They've just been a step behind or a few passing. Like, again, five games in, I know there's panic on both sides. But to me, this screams, Pat, two teams that we look back on in week 13 and completely forget how we felt and thought about these teams heading into week six because they're both very good. They're both very talented. And I think that this is just the early part of the season with teams not playing so many preseason meaningful snaps. And instead, they've gotten all the warts and the issues away and I think this next stretch, and I don't know what the schedules look like, but these are just two teams to me, Pat, that will be there come playoff time and be factors in the NFC. That feels like a safe assumption with the Eagles. I still, the, the Vikings seem like they might actually be a team on the brink to me, just because, again, this is where, where it's frustrating to be a fantasy analyst, because I just feel like we just don't truly know what's going on with the Vikings. Mike Zimmer and uh, Kirk Cousins do not appear to have the greatest of relationships. Uh, Stefan Diggs and his entire offense do not appear to have the greatest of relationships. And so uh, the Vikings, I'm not prepared to say everything's going to be kosher. Uh, the Eagles, that's a fairly safe assumption because they've had basically everything go wrong. And like you said, have come out with a three and two record, still a massive win on the road in green Bay. They do seem like a team that like, is this kind of yeah, having all their problems hit at once early in the season and they'll get the ship righted. The Vikings, I'm, I'm not quite prepared to go that far just because I don't really understand the team dynamics there. Let's close out this trio of games. It's the Detroit Lions at the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are four-and-a-half-point home favorites, 47 total in this one. It's actually Monday Night Football. And actually, if you like Brett Favre, we all like watching Brett Favre. He is on the Peter King podcast this week. It's like a 45-minute-long interview. Uh, fantastic. Really good stuff. So go and check that out on Peter King's podcast, Company the Brett Favre interview. Uh, Pat, to you, um, both teams – have shown plenty of positives. It's interesting though, Pat, like I have a more optimistic view of the Lions than the record should suggest. Two, one and one coming off a bye week. 
again, they're four and a half point road dogs here. But do you share that same optimistic with me with the Lions? Because they were basically one or two plays away from beating the Chiefs. I, I think I agree with you, but you know the, the Lions too. In a lot of ways, have always been like the poor man's Chargers, where uh, you know, like the like the the metrics and just like kind of like the eye test always suggests they should have a better record than they currently do. Uh, but I think I agree. The Matt Patricia, you know, proved especially down the stretch last year, he can scheme up the defense, have amazing game plans, and this year they've kind of gotten more of the times on offense. I mean, they've really committed to downfield passing. Uh, Matthew Stafford's average intended air yards lead the league this year after he was near the bottom of the league last year. And that that goes for the same uh, with Kenny Galladay. And, you know, they finally have committed to their best talent at running back, uh, Carrion Johnson at 49 touches and two games before the Lions is by. So uh, they looked good to the eye test. Like you said, they almost sprung a huge upset. They've played really well almost every game. And I think, this, yeah, the defensive coaching was already there last year, but it seems like they're doing more of what they need to be doing on offense this year. And I certainly agree the Lions uh, could be a, a real, an actual contending team uh, for the final three-fourths of the season. Well, let's talk about this offense, though, because the Packers had allowed a bottom three rate of fantasy points to opposing wideouts before getting pummeled by Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper last week. Michael Gallup. Michael, I love it. I that, do the same thing. The accent, Michael Gallup. The accent came out way too much in that moment. I'm, it's scary. Uh, so where do you rank Kenny Galladay this week since we still believe it's going to be a tough matchup? Yeah, it's a weird thing because uh, – you can't say well, all of what the Cowboys did was garbage time, but you know most of it was after they went down 31 to three. The Packers' defense still should have played better after going up 31 to three. But it's kind of kind of a hard game. I feel like to take you know true takeaways on that Packers' defense last week and the way how poorly they played in the second half. Uh, I mean, I think I guess we learned that you can you can still get points. You can still get and Jair Alexander has been kind of up and down all year. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. He's been mostly up, but it wasn't the first time he'd been down in that second half last week. And you know, the way they're using Kenny Galladay, uh, targets are slightly up. Like I said, his intended air yards are way up. Uh, I think he's a legitimate wide receiver, too, and kind of a high-end wide receiver, too, someone I have in the top 15 this week. Aaron Rodgers is, like, getting it going. You know, I know he didn't have any touchdown passes last week, but even without Devontae Adams, who's still week-to-week with a turf toe, Pat, I think like the wheels are in motion here for how they started that game against the Packers. Because, again, a lot of those yards were created by the passing and then giving it to Aaron Jones down near the goal line. I don't know who I would start of this group other than Aaron Jones, um, uh, skill position players outside of Aaron Rodgers. But I think Aaron Rodgers is, is getting it now. Like he's locked in despite some of those, you know, on the sideline conversations, let's put it that way, <laughs> with Matt LaFleur. Um I still think, Pat, he's, he's going to get it going, and he already has been, despite, again, the lack of touchdowns last week. Yeah, I think he's kind of I'm the captaining now, Matt LaFleur. Uh, so they got to the 31-3 to lead last weekend, despite barely even throwing to receivers. Uh, they're kind of you know, scoring points in multiple ways. And the Thursday night game in week four, I mean, we saw the real Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so I agree that they're, they're kind of slowly lurching this thing into gear and uh, I mean Rodgers to I've I've seen who I would consider to be vintage Aaron Rodgers almost all season and the production is finally starting to align uh, uh, with the the play on the field so I completely agree with your Packers takeaway once again that was Patrick Doherty go and check out his rankings up on the website also if you care about other people's rankings like Daigle's rankings Mm -hmm. like Ian's rankings 
other people's rankings, go and check out our season pass. That's rotorworld.com slash win. You can also get customizable scoring just for your league. So again, go and purchase that over at rotorworld.com slash win. And now we rec we welcome in uh, Hayden Winks, Mr. Handsome himself, Hayden Winks. Uh, we'll be actually here in a few weeks for Rotorworld Live. This weekend it's Pat again. That's old news. Next couple weeks it's Hayden Winks. Let's start off, Hayden, with the New Orleans Saints at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville are one-point favorites at home, 44 and a half total. Um, what have you thought, Hayden, of Teddy Bridgewater? Because I kind of think he's hitting his groove. Like, he's feeling comfortable, and Sean Payton has done a really, really good job. Dale, Dale's giving me the side he's eye. pretty skeptical. But I, I, other than, you know, a couple off games, off throws, the first couple performances, this past weekend I think is the best we've seen Teddy Bridgewater since his knee injury, obviously. Yeah, he's starting to get into a little bit of a rhythm. I just don't see much upside here. The fans are still playing really slow. They're not taking many downfield shots with him. So I think he's capable. He's, like, accurate enough to hit intermediate passes, find Kamara underneath, find Michael Thomas underneath, and make those guys make plays. What about Jared Cook? I mean, Jared Cook got it going last week. Right. And to be perfectly honest with you, I mean, and Jalen Ramsey probably is going to play. Shad Khan came out in an interview and said he was going mm -hmm. to. But let's say he doesn't, okay, because this team that we've seen, the Jaguars defense, without Jalen Ramsey, is a well below average unit. I, I yeah. think each week Teddy's adding another piece. Like it was a long touchdown to Ted Ginn. It was Jared Cook last week. I don't think this offense anymore is just Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I think Jared Cook's definitely back in the top 10 tight end conversation. I'm not sure if he completely left with that or not. Um, his usage is up a little bit this last two weeks. Just the Saints total is still at 21 and a half. I don't want to get too excited. I think it's going to be Kamara. The, the Jaguars are dead last in run defense DVOA. So I think it's still going to be concentrated through Kamara and Thomas. But I do agree that Bridgewater is playing at least consistent enough now that Jerry Cook could have a, another decent game. Uh, and the tight end landscape is so bad that he's uh, still in every week play. The only reason I squinted at you so hard, Josh, whenever you said that Bridgewater's got it going is because it's the, it was the Bucks defense who heal all wounds. Uh, Bridgewater's four completions, 20-plus yards downfield, matched his previous total uh, between his starts since week two. So it's just, it's just I'm a little worried. I'm well, a little sure, skeptical. but it's also the Jaguars He looked defense. good, and they opened up the offense, but I'm still pretty, yeah, I'm just concerned. And if Jalen Ramsey plays, it now does change things. that's when I start asking questions. But on the other side of the ball, we have someone very exciting. A couple very players really mustachio worthy. Uh, so what do you think, Hayden, about Gardner Minshew on the other side of this matchup? Yeah, he, he's been good. Like he, the, the mania is just not going to stop. He's like we know who he is. He's just going to make the right reads. He's pretty mobile in the pocket. He can actually even run for a couple first downs when you need him to. Um, super accurate. And, yeah, we're seeing Leonard Fournette with insane usage. He's fourth in carries on pace for 64 receptions. And DJ Chark, six in air yards. He had a tough matchup last week, went crazy. I mean, his, his usage these last two weeks in terms of air yards and targets are uh, approaching, like, wide receiver one levels. Like, I, I'm not going to call him wide receiver one uh, yet, but I think he's earned wide receiver two love. Um, the Saints secondary has kind of been up and down this year. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, the reason why I picked this game was more for the Jaguars, not, not for the Saints. In my waiver wire Q&A this week, I got a lot 
of Odell Beckham for DJ Shark, which side do you take? Huh. And oh, wow. I took Beckham, <laughs> but the fact that we're, we've even reached that level tells you how yeah. good DJ Shark has been. Well, sure, and if you remove the names, then DJ Shark has been the better player. By year. far. Yeah. By far. Yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about Gardner Minshew. Like last it's week fun. against the Carolina Panthers. I mean, it's more than fun. He's talented. Mm -hmm. Like he had two fumbles in that game. One, he hit the fullback with the handoff, so it fell on the ground. The other was his offensive lineman getting pressed into him, and it was returned for a touchdown. But he forgets about all those. And they had a chance on the final couple plays to tie the Panthers and send it into overtime. Um, I am super nervous, though about Leonard Fournette just being shut down against the Saints front. The Saints pass rush, which has really been improving each week, going up against this, uh, you know, struggling Jaguars offensive line. Let's put it that way. And so Gardner will really have to work some magic, but he has definitely done that at times this season. Um, maybe the game of the weekend. Hayden Winks is next. It's an awesome slate. San Francisco 49ers at the L.A. Rams. The Rams are three-and-a-half-point favorites, a total of 50. Um, Hayden, I know you're close to this game. The most recent taste in our mouth is of the San Francisco 49ers being absolutely dominant up front against the Cleveland Browns offensive line, which have struggled. The same can be said for the Los Angeles Rams offensive line mm -hmm. so far this season. So how much does that concern you with basically every single skill position player on the Rams, despite them being at home? Yeah, it's definitely concerning. Jared Goff, his struggles have always been against elite pass rushes and uh, the 49ers are playing like a top three unit on the defensive line right now. Um, you can't block Bosa right now. So, yeah, you you got to be a little concerned. Vegas doesn't seem that concerned with the 27 uh, team total. But, yeah, whenever Jared Goff's struggling, um, it's it's bad to watch. But the Rams just usually just keep putting on points. They, they run a lot of plays. Um, they're not afraid to just scrap the run game and – let Goff rip it for 40, 50 pass attempts. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not expecting a peak week this week, but uh, Goff's still in play as I go QB1-2. Vegas isn't concerned as this game is slated with the week's third highest total, but Daigle Vegas right. is concerned because <laughs> the Niners are missing their left tackle. The Niners are now missing right tackle Mike McGlinchey. Uh, they're going to AAF superstar Dane Brunskill on the right side and sixth-round rookie Justin Skew on the left side. Also, Kyle Juszczyk now out as well. Right. For a team that has the highest run rate in neutral situations, like, that's bad news. So I, I do yeah. wonder if there's anyone – who can make up for all of this, it's certainly Kyle Shanahan. But when you're throwing Ross Dwelly and George Kittle in the backfield now, what do you see happening to Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman? Yeah, I'm still a fan of Breida and Coleman, just like as RB, low-end RB2, some, somewhere around there. Um, the 49ers are the first in RB points, uh, RB fantasy points this year, and they're going to get 12 to 20 efficient touches. Um, I'm really concerned who, uh, who's going to be the goal back. I think it's going to be Tevin Coleman because Jeff Wilson was ruled inactive. Um, and the 49ers passing game, just it's literally just George Kittle right now. So um, run first, then find Kittle, not basically the entire offense. We have not mentioned it yet, but Todd Gurley has been missing practice with a quote-unquote quad injury. Um, look, again, I don't know how good this Rams offensive line is is going to be against the San Francisco 49ers front. But let's say Todd Gurley carries this injury into the game and starts. Or if he doesn't, Hayden, which are you of the opinion of, is Malcolm Brown going to see many more snaps? 
are any of these players startable again against a matchup that might not be as favorable as ones in previous weeks? Right. So I have a quote from Sean McVay here. He says, fortunately, this is when he was asked about Todd Gurley's availability. He said, fortunately for us, we've got some depth at the position, the confidence we have in Malcolm Brown. There's also going to be a time that we're going to rely on Darrell Henderson. It might end up being this week. So I don't really buy that it's going to be that they're going to be relying on him. I think Malcolm Brown's going to be the the runner and the goal line back, and Darrell Henderson will be more of a scat back. He can catch the ball really well. So um, Malcolm Brown, I would he would probably get pushed up to like the high end RB two range if Gurley's out, and then I wouldn't want to be starting Darrell Henderson, but picking him up um, in a deeper league is definitely on the radar. Yeah. Obviously, you should lean on Malcolm Brown. Like, that's what the tea leaves read if Todd Gurley's out. But it took Mark Baum, Josh Norris, two years to be correct about the shorting the housing market. So if it only takes Daigle six weeks to be right about Daryl Henderson, we could just be right. I'll take six weeks. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, you're playing Malcolm Brown, by the way. All those videos you did in July and August. Oh, yeah. Six weeks, buddy. Talking about Daryl Henderson when I was like, Daigle, you're off your rocker. (laughs) Here. It's all it took. It's like, no, trust me, trust me. He's he's the key to your fantasy draft. Behind the scenes, by the way, you, you walked by me sex. the other day and saw like I was tinkering with waivers and fantasy rosters. Right. You saw I haven't dropped Daryl Henderson any league yet, and I'm right. I'm with you, Diego. I'm with you. Um, I, I do think the 49ers, their strengths match up with the Rams' weaknesses. If only they had both their tackles and their fullback, this one would be an easy yeah. decision for me. But I still that, think they win and cover. But that's where we are in week six. You know, all these teams have to now be dealing with injuries. Uh, the last game we're going to cover this week is the Atlanta Falcons at the Arizona Cardinals. Falcons are actually two-and-a-half-point road favorites, another high total of 51-and-a-half. Hayden, both off uh, – excuse me, both defenses – Absolutely suck. Both offenses have had their moments, but have had to overcome bad defenses and try to be efficient there. Um, Where do you want to go with this? Maybe which offense, which players you are most excited for, um, most believe in this week? Yeah, so let's let's start with Kyler Murray. He's fantasy quarterback seven right now, and that's despite he's only had four passing touchdowns, 6.6 yards per attempt. It's pretty crazy that he's that high, the, the volume's there, the rushing total's there. If he can become a little more efficient with his passes, uh, I mean, we're looking at a top four fantasy quarterback moving forward. The schedule is uh, opening up a little bit. This is a plum matchup this week against the Falcons there. I mean, they have just no pass rush, no secondary help. The scheme's not my favorite. So um, I'm expecting Kyler Murray to be a top quarterback. And then the other news is David Johnson did not practice. He had a locked up back last week. Apparently it was really painful for him. So, um, I think Chase Edmonds is going to be more involved regardless if David Johnson plays this week, but um, Edmonds has to be picked up. He would be a top 10 running back option if uh, David Johnson misses. Chase Edmonds, Mr. Cover Image of this week's waiver wire column. Uh, you play him. Like, you don't need fantasy analysts to tell you to play Chase Edmonds if David Johnson's out. The good thing about Kyler Murray, though, is that these past three games, over seven rushing attempts per game, as opposed to the first couple of weeks, only three. But, as you mentioned, touchdown regression potentially happening as I look at the wrong camera again. Uh, Do you see (laughs) anything happening for this wide receiver situation? Let's say we get Christian Kirk back, and I think Christian Kirk and Demir Bird do return. Do you lean towards any one of their starting four? Yeah, so Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk are always going to be the guys when they're they're healthy. The the slot is just too important to this offense. And Larry Fitzgerald's been the guy in the red zone that they keep targeting. A lot of design passes. 
um, on screens, like near the goal line. Some of them work, some of them haven't. Um, the Cardinals have have regression coming in their favor. They they're moving the football um, at times. It's just they can't finish off drives. Sometimes they get stagnant. But I think those are issues that you kind of expect early in the season with a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach. And I'm hoping that those get corrected as the season moves on. Yeah, Hayden, I thought actually last week Kyler was his best performance of the season so far. Like, we have questions each time he goes out there. Like, he carried that uh, tie against the Lions in the second half of that game. We've seen little moments of running the football. Like, he finally started doing that against the Carolina Panthers. And you wrote in your rookie column that last week was the best he's performed this year. Yeah, and that's how I opened this segment as well right now. Oh, okay. Uh, There you go. (laughs) What what, what Kyler is uh, is, uh, doing also now is that he's throwing in the face of disruption. Like, he's throwing in the face of pressure. And that is something that we have seen other quarterbacks do across the league, holding on to it for just that extra moment to allow their receivers to get downfield and get open. I mean, he had Geno Atkins swarming him as a free rusher, and he stood tall again as the smallest person on the field and was still able to make that throw. It's all coming together right now for Kyler Murray. And as we know, the Falcons have just been hemorrhaging points to every single team. And hopefully, I mean, this is one of those things – one of those matchups where you say, oh, it's going to be a great Kyler Murray performance, and then somehow it doesn't work out that way. But I would be shocked if it's not. But it's a, it's a great Kyler Murray performance because on the other side of the ball, Matt Ryan has now tossed for over 300 yards in this lifeless Falcons offense every right. single week. So, uh, Yeah, hey, Matt Ryan's attempts actually 46, 43, 34, 53, and 46 in five games so far. It had to be soul-crushing to score every possession and then look up every single time he reached the bench and the Texans just continue to drive down the field. But uh, this backfield, Hayden, Ito Smith broke in and uh, played like more touches. He played a higher amount of snaps. I don't have it right in front of me, so we're just going to say higher amount. Uh, Do you see Devontae Freeman hanging on to this backfield this week in particular, but for the near future moving forward? Yeah, I I just think it's going to be how it it was kind of – Last week, close to even touches. I think Devonta Freeman's still going to be the lead back whenever. I mean, they're going to give him every benefit of the doubt they can. And, um, I mean, through five weeks, it's been a disaster. He's, like, averaging, like, somewhere around three yards per carry. Uh, just There's just no rhythm in the run game right now. And I think that Matt Ryan's going to continue throwing the ball 40-plus times a game. Hopefully Julio gets over his hip issue. He didn't practice on Wednesday. It's usually uh, – not the biggest deal with Julio. He usually plays through it. He's second in air yards. And then Calvin Ridley's top 20 in air yards. Um, I don't want to call him Will Fuller. I don't, I'm not projecting 55 fantasy points or anything like that, but two players that play somewhat similarly in somewhat similar offenses, he's just a ticking time bomb. He gets uh, downfield and it's over. That's it for us. Hayden Winks, go and check out his fantasy forecast column. I cannot recommend it enough. It's fantastic. Uh, that was our nine-game preview. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And hopefully you're going to join us for Roto Live. It's a great show. Mm-hmm. It's me. It's Daigle. It's Roto Pat this week. Noon Eastern on NBC Sports' YouTube page or twitch.tv slash Roto World. We spend that entire 45 minutes helping you set your optimal lineup a ton, like 100 start and sit questions. It's wild how much we cover. Again, that is Roto World Live each Sunday at noon Eastern. Daigle, good job. Tell one friend. Tell one friend about this podcast. Thanks for all the reviews, everyone out there. Uh, And continue to support us throughout the entire season. Thanks so much. Talk to you all soon. See ya. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh. 
<laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.